welcome back to Infinity Watchers. We are John and Jared of Midgard, burdened with glorious purpose. And that purpose is bringing you MCU content. We are here and ready to talk all things Marvel Cinematic and Universes. Jared, how are you feeling this week after that great premiere of Loki? I'm feeling emboldened and confused and have just been burdened with many, many questions, which we're (laughs) going to get into. Uh, I sent you a picture of my whiteboard after my first viewing of the episode, and it's just, it looks like Charlie Day's Pepe Silvia conspiracy theory Uh of, of just what what am i watching what does this mean for the mcu and what what do i actually think of this show yeah i mean if this if this is any indication of what we're getting the rest of the way i mean that the speculation is going to be wild and the attention to detail in this show is just unbelievable i mean you and i after i'd watched the episode because you watched it a bit earlier than i did we texted back and forth for like an hour about the crazy mm-hmm. theories and just going off the cuff and it's like at one point you were like shouldn't we just save this for the show and i was like i can't like i literally can't wait until we're recording like i just have to talk about this with somebody right I know. now like we should have we should have just started talking we should have just started recording as soon as we were done that night yeah because I, I had i had rewatched the episode coincidentally at the same time you were watching it mm-hmm. um because i i watched the episode when i got home from work had to go do a few errands and then thought i the problem with where i watch my stuff and this is gonna sound like a first world problem is it has too good natural lighting in there so where my tv is there's constantly a glare on it whenever i'm trying to watch something and a lot of this episode was really dark so i was getting reflections and it was hard to see a lot of the time so i I rewatched it later that night with lights off I mean, I, I was just blown away overall by this episode. I'm very happy. It, 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 it is a good pilot. It's yeah, a very good absolutely. introduction to this world and what mm-hmm. what we can expect. And we'll, we can dive more into the, um, the nuances of it and my questions and your theories and my theories and your questions uh, <laughs> after, after the news here. Yeah. yeah we don't so have much we're, to cover. We're a very light news week so we're gonna hit that and then um we're gonna talk about our fan cast of the week which is adam warlock so we each kind of thought about who who we think should play adam warlock and and we'll be going over our lists for that um and then we're gonna dive right into to loki because there's just so much to talk about <laughs> that's as as it is with these exposition heavy type episodes <laughs> So um, with the news, the, bi- the biggest news story of the week is that Jamila Jamil um, has been cast in She-Hulk as Titania, who is um, commonly a-, a villain of She-Hulk, um, possesses kind of the same powers of, of She-Hulk and, you know, superhuman strength and, and things like that. Um, but Jamila Jamil is best known for her role um, in-, in The Good Place. Um, so in that show, she played uh, Tahani, who is one of the one of the main characters of that show? Hard to say too much about that show without spoiling things for people, and that's not really the place Sorry. to do it. But she's she's fantastic um, in that show, as is the entire cast of that show, which is why I leaned pretty heavily on them for my fan casts in the past. If you've listened to our past episodes where we <laughs> talked about our our fantastic four choices, I have a feeling that Marvel's going to start start pulling from the good place a little bit more because it does have this it's not a cult following i I don't want to say that but it does have a pretty big fan base surrounding it 
Mm-hmm. So like Game of Thrones, it only seems natural for them to start pulling from that series as well. Yeah, anytime a, a large cl- critically acclaimed show ends, it's usually like a lot of people speculate about the, the actors mm-hmm. joining the MCU, right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really happy about this. I'm excited about this cast, and I'm excited about that series. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. I, I'd imagine we're you know gonna start to get a lot more casting news and set photos and everything soon as it's started to to shoot and it's in principal photography now. So. Uh, the other quote-unquote news story is that Kevin Feige made an appearance at the Hellfire Gala in an X-Men comic last week, uh, which was really, really interesting. It was kind of cool. They had this huge gala event with the X-Men, and they, you know, there were a bunch of other Marvel heroes um, at this fictional gala in the in the X-Men series. But there were some other celebrity appearances as well. Um, hey, who else was was in that? George R. R. Martin, who obviously is just going to do anything he can to not write books. Um, <laughs> okay. A killer Mike and LP of Run the Jewels. Oh my God. Were there. And the, I mean, these people all, they all had lines in the comic, which is pretty awesome. Feige's, Feige's panel, if you get the chance to look it up, is pretty cool. Um, he has kind of a little conversation with, with Cyclops and he asks Cyclops. Cyclops, what his deal is, basically. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's complicated. It's kind of neat. <laughs> it's it's like it's like the Almighty Feige has become self aware at this point of his yeah. meme, of his meme status within the the MCU fan base. All right, so uh, that really is it for the news. Very light, very surprising that we had that light of a week. Although we we kind of shifted our recording schedule a little bit to accommodate the Wednesday drops of Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are we are starting to record a little bit early. So we did have a shorter kind of kind of lead into this episode than we do with uh, previous episodes. So you know I would expect the news to be a little bit heavier next week. But all right, uh, with that, let's get into our Adam Warlock casting. So uh, Jared, do you want to kind of kick us off with the number three of your list here? Yeah, or yeah. Any honorable mentions that you might have. Yeah, I'll start us off. Um... See, I've been going back and forth. I have four picks, but if we're doing top three, I'll give them one honorable mention. And I've been I've been toying around with this. this. Believe it or not, this was one of the hardest fan casts for me to do because I've had one person in mind for years now, and I, I can't get him out. And apparently I'm not the only one because I've seen his name pop up in a few other fan castings, uh, specifically on an IMDb poll where he was number one. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I just switched it in real time, but my honorable mention is Chris Pine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think, I believe you had him for Ben Grimm doom. You had him for doom. That's right. To me, to me, I can't see pine playing such a major villain like that. He's, um, I mean, he's Steve Trevor, but he's too, I don't want to say all American, but he's too like, He's got the face of an angel, if you will. <laughs> He's too innocent of a face to be doomed for me, is what I'm That's getting at. That's why I kind of like that pick as like a something to subvert expectations. And mm-hmm. he's kind of a typecast character. Yeah, he kind of is. A typecast actor, I should say. Yeah. So as I'm thinking about it in real time, that's why I can't really put him as... Um, for me, I can't put him in a villain role. 
I'd like to see him in, in a hero role in the MCU. It's only a matter of time before he gets in here and we have all four Hollywood Chris's. But anyway, um, I, I again, with Chris Pine, I think this is somebody else who is eventually going to end up in the MCU, and that's Steven Yen. After, oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. yeah, after, I mean, we've, we've talked up Invincible so much on this show. Yeah. Uh, but as a voice actor, um, and his role was Glenn on The Walking Dead. I could see, I could see him eventually making it in. And I, the way I see it is Adam Warlock has such an such a huge place in the comics that you need somebody who's going to stay in here long term. That I think the next two I have are going to be pipe dreams, if that's the case. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think Stephen Yen is young enough that you could keep him around for at least a decade and see this character grow and i mean definitely i mean adam warlock has such a central role in the comics and they almost have to give him a new character arc or a new story in this case because of how intertwined he is with the infinity saga in the comics yeah absolutely i mean he he very much plays that like vision type role in the Mm -hmm. infinity sagas in the in the comics right like he's very tied to the soul stone um where i mean vision is the mind stone but you can kind of see where they in that story they kind of subbed vision in for adam warlock and how he typically Mm -hmm. you know contributes to those so yeah i I like the pick of steven yan i can absolutely see it my my number three pick and this is you know, I kind of lifted this from one of your other picks, but I've had this this actor on my list for a long time, and this is mostly because of some of the comments that James Gunn has has uh, had while working with this actor recently. And uh, well, I'll just get to it. It's John Cena. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I, I, I have the strong feeling that John Cena is going to show up in one way or another in Guardians 3. I think so, uh, just too. Just because Gunn has said that he's the best like improv actor he's ever worked with. Um, and he's like one of the funniest actors he's ever worked with. <laughs> and since he said that, I just keep going back to him as Adam Warlock, like with the golden skin, like just playing this ridiculous With the long flowing hair? Yes. Because he always has a buzz cut. So like what? Yes. Uh, okay. I, I just <laughs> want it. <laughs> That that that's a very gun casting though, and yeah. that's that's what's so his hard. Castings about this. subvert expectations, big time. right? And this wouldn't be his first time working with a, mm-hmm. a former pro wrestler. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I feel like he's too silly for a character like like this. But I guess I guess in Gunn's view, the yeah. I mean, if if you don't think Adam Warlock's going to be silly, <laughs> like I don't think he's going to be a straight faced like. He know. doesn't have to be straight faced, but I don't. I don't know. To me, John Cena just comes off as as a as a straight up meme at times. I, I can't see Adam Warlock as a meme. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not disagreeing with you, but yeah. I, okay, I'll I'll uh, okay. Yeah, so that's my number three, John Cena. My other two are vastly different than that one. Um, I had and, I had a different vision of Adam Warlock in mind with my other two. And what sure. what's tough with this is uh, you're right. Gunn does like to subvert expectations with his castings. I mean, nobody expected Dave Bautista to have a, a huge movie career after he'd gone out of the WWE, but here we are because of James Gunn. But I, in the middle of this, I was trying to think of castings that gun would put in 
and I, I can't think the way he does apparently. So I just went with my gut. And since we're in the Keanu sauce, I said Keanu Reeves for my number two. Ooh, okay. John Wick himself. So, I mean, he's an action star now. Again, he's in just about everything under the sun. It's only a matter of time before Marvel snaps him up in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I think putting him in this weird cosmic realm would do some good. I mean, he's got the hair. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. And there have been rumors about him talking to Marvel for a, for a role and being in talks with Marvel for a role. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know what that role would be, but I could definitely see it being this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Good pick. Um, so with my, with my one and two, I went with a vision of Adam Warlock being kind of more flamboyant, the word, but like something like that. Like, like very... Um, very charismatic and very i don't even know the word that i'm trying to trying to trying to go with but uh my number two pick is max greenfield so uh he's definitely most well known for his role as schmidt on new girl i don't know if you've okay. seen new girl but it's a, a a sitcom where he starred opposite zoe deschanel mm-hmm. and he is just really hilarious in that show you know he very much plays that kind of outgoing vain type character really well and I, I kind of see that, you know, with with Adam Warlock being created by the Sovereign, who are like the definition of vain, I kind of <laughs> see Adam Warlock being this like vain, flamboyant type character, like almost almost like a parody of what they already are. <laughs> I could I, I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I do know who this is now that I'm looking at him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, the only reason I know of him is because of, of the bid short. He had one like he was in maybe one, maybe two scenes in it. Oh, okay. and had maybe one or two lines. But uh, he, him, and the the guy he um, he like plays opposite of in that scene have both stuck out to me. And I, they're like that guys in everything now that I see. Oh, really? So okay, I could see it because you're saying that you could see him playing like a like a parody of the sovereign in a way and it's very and this like very the sovereign dialed up to the max because he's yeah. like their idea of a perfect being right so like right. I, and, I think that and that would work because he plays at, at least just from the only role i know him in in the bid short he plays such a tool bag in it yeah. that it's like again dialed up to 11 mm-hmm. so that that's my uh that's my number two max greenfield and my number one John, you probably know this because I've talked about it so much, but it's in the it's in the Game of Thrones vein. And the, I mean, I know since why I have a pro not a problem with this pick, but why I have trouble saying it out loud is because I know this isn't a James Dunn casting. So it's a pipe dream to me. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, Nikolai Coaster Waldo, a.k.a. Jamie Lannister. Like mm-hmm. when I first saw him, I just. Toward the end of Game of Thrones, I just kept seeing him as Adam Warlock in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And he's in all B movies now, but I just I couldn't get out of my head. And when when I went to like do some research on possible fan castings for Adam Warlock, his name kept coming up. People want him to be Adam Warlock for yeah. some reason. I, I can't explain to you what it is. He's a Swedish actor of all of all things, and he played a very serious role in game of thrones, but for some reason, and he was very charismatic though. I will say that, but the entire time the show was on, I just kept thinking this is Adam Warlock and I don't know why it just, 
it stuck to me. Jamie Lannister is Adam Warlock, and I can't yeah. give you a reason. I I um I definitely remember talking about this way back when. <laughs> yeah, I think probably around the time the Guardians two came out, and they or maybe even the time they were starting to like build up the Infinity Saga, and we thought that Adam Warlock was going to play a role in that. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. All right. So my number one, I think I don't know. You're either gonna you're either gonna love or hate this pick. Okay. Um, my number one pick is Anthony Kerrigan. So he he's right now he's most well known for playing NoHo Hank on yes. Barry. <laughs> yes. Um, oh boy. He also yes. played um Victor Zaz in Gotham for, yes. for a few years, and he was also in Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, but I mean, I put him on here definitely for his role as Noho Hank easily character on Barry and (laughs) one of the best characters ever as a character or or, or an actor that paired with James Gunn and paired with the cast that we have in guardian would be just absolutely gold. Yes. No no pun intended. Literally. (laughs) Um, I I also, the idea of him with like flowing blonde locks is just great to me. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm, I, I love it. That, that's a great one. Uh, that is a great pick. I, I, I love it. He's a CMU grad too, apparently. Oh, um, I did not know that. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with it. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know. Like based on my other uh, your reasoning against some of my other picks, I thought you might hate this one. But th- this might be mostly me like wanting him in in the MCU, and I couldn't find <laughs> other great roles for him. Um, but I think. Like I said, him paired with Gun just seems like a really, really great. But a match made in heaven. Great combination. Like he, he is absolutely hilarious. No ho, Hank. Barry. Like is like somebody that comes out of one of Gun's. He's a character out of a Gun film. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, so that's my number one pick, Anthony Kerrigan. Okay, I, I, I love it. All right, with that, we have wrapped our Adam Warlock casting. It was kind of fun to do someone that wasn't, you know, Fantastic Four adjacent for once. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll start ramping up some of the mutants soon, too. <laughs> I think the, the reason we did Adam Warlock before any of the bigger names like Wolverine, Magneto, and stuff is just because that, that casting kind of feels imminent, you know, within the next, within, I, I would say by the end of the year, we'll probably know who's going to be Adam Warlock. So yeah, we want to get that one out of the way and make our predictions before Marvel <laughs> beats us to it. Um, so with that, I think it's time to get to our glorious purpose, right? I was trying to think of something clever there. I couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> Doesn't always need to be followed by something. I did pause for you there, though. Yeah, I know. But I was we'll, trying to think y- of something. You know, you know, segues are never smooth. They're not, they're not our thing. If Let's... anyone tells you segues are smooth, they're lying. Well, when I, so for, for listeners out there, I, uh, I was a radio DJ in college and my one friend and I had this running bit where we just couldn't come up with segues. So we just made them up as we went. Oh, speaking of this, here's this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's all they are. They're made up. They don't exist. Like the TVA. Good segue. So Loki, I mean, Loki. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what else is there to say i mean it, it he's a mischievous mischievous scamp this mischievous scamp 
this series, somehow they revealed so much about it during the marketing that you felt like you had an understanding of what was going on. But, but everything also... that was revealed was from the first, or I'm presuming, second episode. Right. Other than like quick flashes that we've seen in some scenes, mm-hmm. we hit a lot of... I mean, pretty much all of the, the scenes in the trailers and clips and everything that are set in the TVA, we've seen all of that <laughs> after one episode. So I think there there's a lot more that we're going to get. I think we're going to have the rug pulled out from under us a couple times. Um, you know, I, I guess just to, to preface this, full spoilers for this episode. We're not Easily. we're not doing a spoiler-free review. We're going to dive into our, our complete thoughts. Um, so... I mean, overall, this felt like, in a vacuum, the best premiere of of the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series so far. I would say um, so. It balanced world building with exposition, with MCU tie-ins, with character building and character work. I mean, the only thing it was light on was action for good reason. And we kind of saw this with Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well, right? Mm-hmm. Where the first episode, the premiere, the pilot was very light on, on action and heavy on character building and, and, you know, character work. But this also did the, the extra step of having to build this world, this entire new concept that we have not seen in the MCU before. Um, and kind of also redefine how we think of time in the MCU. Right. Pretty much. So, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of phrase we're going to kind of shape our conversation around three central questions that we'll get to as we, as we step through the plot. Um, but I think, you know, from, from you and I, we mentioned earlier, our, our text discussion after the, the episode had aired or after we had watched the episode, because episodes don't air anymore. <laughs> but I think all of our theories kind of tie back to three central questions, three central mysteries that the show is starting to starting to hint at and set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, we'll just kind of step through the plot and, you know, Jared, just feel free to interrupt me if you, you have any any thoughts as I go through this. Yeah, go ahead. So the series opens by rehashing some of the footage we saw with the Endgame. Um, there's actually, you know, from, from digging around on the internet and watching some Easter egg videos, um, particularly Eric Voss from New Rockstars does a really good recap of Easter eggs of every episode of these shows. Um, but... He pointed out they're actually using alternate cuts of certain footage from Endgame. I thought uh, it looked a little different. Yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Um, but very quickly, we get to the part where Loki has teleported away. And for some reason, I didn't understand this fully. Um, I think it might just be to to make a reference to Iron Man 1. But he is he is uh, he teleports into like the middle of the sky in Mongolia, in the Mongolian desert, and just... Mm shoots into the sand and he's laying there with all of his armor around him and and he kind of like with exasperation takes the face mask off and lays in the sand and it was almost an identical shot as iron man one you know he crashed into the desert i didn't think about that you're right Mm -hmm. that's a it's a pretty good connection there yeah it was a neat little like visual callback um and then Loki, like as Loki does, and as this version of Loki does, tries to take over the Mongolians immediately. <laughs> um, and then the series just kicks off right there with the CVA stepping in. They um, punch Loki at one sixteenth speed, which was 
I thought that was hilarious and a really cool way to show kind of their power. <laughs> and that they legitimately can control can control time. Yep. And then this is the first time we actually get to see the devices that the TVA places in these branch timelines that these variants create. Um, and the device has, uh, I think it starts with like orange smoke and then after some time it turns purple and then we they teleport away so we don't get to see the effects of that. Um, right from from this scene right here is where things just go off the rails and we get we're heading through the TVA. We're watching Loki get basically like onboarded as their <laughs> the quote unquote prisoner, like mm-hmm. through a slew of hilarious scenes. <laughs> um, I think my favorite was the, the scene where Loki was look walking through the like almost metal detector looking thing and questioning whether he was a robot and didn't know it. <laughs> how many people, how many people don't know they're robots? <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really great. <laughs> And I just love the guy. You can tell that they they tried to cast or not cast, but they tried to uh, try to make characters who like this is their only job is to get people through this process. And like it's like going through to the DMV where he's just yeah. frustrated that nobody's moving along. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they're they're just so over it. Like you yeah, can tell on. that they've they've processed so many variants. <laughs> um. Well, that I mean, that brings up a, a question, not one of our central questions, but we, um, I mean, the next scene, he's in the uh, in the in the queue or in the line mm-hmm. uh, of just a massive room with ropes in it, and that's where we did the Miss Minutes video. But in the Miss Minutes video, they explain that if you do anything that was not preset for you, you become a variant. If you're yes. late to work, you become a variant. So, I mean, you have a point that they probably process so many a day because people unknowingly <laughs> step out of the, of the predetermined timeline. Like yes. if you're like, we've all been late to work once or twice in our lives. It happens. Life happens. Yes. So like, was, our, did we just create a multiverse all of a sudden because we got stuck in traffic or were yes. we meant to be late that day? I don't understand. <laughs> so I don't understand. So some let, things let's, about let's this. just like, take a step back to the miss minutes video and let's just kind of walk through that break it down and then we'll get into our theories about okay time itself (laughs) okay (laughs) so as loki's in this queue we get this video from miss minutes who basically starts to explain the process um to loki and to us where quote unquote long ago and we'll, we'll question that a little bit further. <laughs> there was a huge multiversal war. Which um, which on its own, that just warrants a billion questions. That, yes. there, were, that there were multiple timelines oh, yes. that had a war with each other. Yes. And they just blow over it like it's nothing. Yes. So the, the timekeepers, the three timekeepers, as a result of this war, created the TVA to police the timelines and anytime anyone steps out of that timeline and makes a choice that they did not approve of, basically they take the variant back to the TVA and presumably we didn't see the device go off, but they destroy that timeline. When, when these variants are created, it's called a nexus event. Yes. Which quote left unchecked could branch off into madness 
one w- might say a multiverse of madness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which to me, okay, we'll, we'll start getting into theories now. Um, cause that, that's basically the explanation that we're given by Miss Minutes, which well, is in the, both uh, a lot and both not enough. <laughs> right. So, I mean, in, in that video, they show this little cartoon drawing man or drawing of a man that is going through his day and ends up branching off the de- predetermined path for himself and becomes a variant. But then the TVA steps in to grab him. And when he walks away or when they, drag him away a replacement goes in for him to keep the timeline moving oh did you know did you notice that i didn't (laughs) yeah so either and they say that that variant is quote reset and the timeline is reset so those little beacons or those little devices that they're leaving behind at the variant sites i don't think at least in my mind they're not destroying the the timeline itself of that particular timeline they're just resetting it to where it's supposed to be so now we have a variant loki out there and we have the original timeline in process right right which has our original loki in it right because technically this all takes place during phase one we're still we're back in phase one at this point i i so our our central question we didn't actually say what our question is no this time but it is what what is the actual purpose right. of the TVA and the timekeepers the reason i really question this and you and i question this is this is a very corporate brainwashing training video right like yes. it's like it, it is very much like this is us explaining to you what this is <laughs> well, but is it actually that and at the end of that video, Here we go. it says the TVA for time, always, always for all time, always. And then at the bottom, it's basically signed time variance authority narrative commission. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is the narrative that they're creating. So I right. immediately looking at that, it's, they have a narrative commission. They have like a PR department, a spin. So, department. <laughs> they do like what what are they what are they narrating away from like what are they hiding that's what i want to know so uh, okay so i kept the entire time i'm watching this i'm thinking we keep saying it's doctor who or quantum leap but the tva itself and at least this episode kept giving me the vibes of 1984 specifically yeah. um i mean the production design is very blocky it's gray have you ever seen like the actual like the 1984 version of 1984 i don't with john hurt okay mm-hmm. it the color color scheme in that at least in the marketing for it if i remember was very gray yellow red which is what the tva is almost completely in, in what we've seen so far um so the fact that they have a time variance authority narrative commission tells me that they do it's kind of like um the i forget what the news outlet is in 1984 but it's almost like the propaganda division in 1984 that winston smith works for where they are controlling narratives of what is and isn't real Mm -hmm. and so i am of the theory that (laughs) and i believe you're on the same track we just have different uh ways of getting to this is that the tva is some sort of not scam, but it's some sort of organization put into place 
but it really doesn't do anything. It's only controlling a narrative. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. at, at one point, Mobius says that all of the and even uh, the judge says that all events have been predetermined already. We're getting into like and Loki starts to question this of I have done everything my way by my choice. And Mobius goes, oh, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is getting into some deeper questions about f- individuals free will and how much control we actually have over yeah. our own lives. Right. I did, well, when, uh, sorry. I don't mean to, no, I don't mean to dive too far in at this point, but what I'm trying to get at uh, was when I started the show, I did not expect that. And then t- at the end I realized, Holy crap. There's a lot, there are a lot more layers to this than I would have expected. Yeah. Because now we're getting into predestination and who has control over power, who really has power and it, and who controls the universe essentially. Yeah. And it, it definitely is setting up to be the central theme of the entire series. I would say is free will versus predetermination, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is Loki even questions it. We'll get to the exact scene later, but I mean, Loki questions it out loud, basically that exact concept, like you said. So, I mean, so when to me, my, my theory about what's going on with the TVA is I think, I don't think this group of timekeepers exist. I think the TVA was created by Kang, honestly, because okay, there are a couple reasons I think that, uh, and I think that the, the main purpose of the TVA is to clip all of these other timelines so that the, the only timeline that can exist is one where Kang is in power. Mm-hmm. Okay. So be okay. One of the main reasons that got me thinking that is, and this might be just reading too much into this cartoon, but I think they're very deliberate about things. One of the timekeepers, specifically the one in the middle looks very much like Jonathan majors. Mm-hmm. who had we know for a he, fact has been cast as Kang the Conqueror and I mean he I mean the timekeeper himself looks like tame tame Kang the Conqueror as well yes it has the blue face which is armor in the comics but there's nothing to show that it's not armor in the cartoon as well mm-hmm. um and the headpiece looks very similar to Kang now it also does look similar to the timekeeper in the comics but I really think that the TVA is just bs for the most part because we we've already kind of seen that they don't care about clipping every branch right like we have well they're they're not interested in clipping every branch but they're interested in only major events it's and and at a point mobius even says don't look at it because we'll get into the db cooper thing here in a second um but at one point he he even says don't look at it as approval or disapproval well never mind we'll get to that later but um it's it's kind of referenced that and even in the courtroom scene everything up to this point that has happened was supposed to happen right avengers going back in time was supposed to happen but if there's a sacred timeline, we already know of other timelines that exist based on the rules of time travel that we know that we're not 
stopped by the TVA from being created. If that makes sense. What other rules do we know? When you time travel and change something that splits it off into a multiverse that splits it into another branch. It creates another timeline. It doesn't necessarily create another universe, though. But they do say sacred timeline. Almost as if there are multiple timelines within this sacred timeline. That's, that's how I, I, th- that's how I took to it. That. That, okay, that's, that's what I wanted to know. Like, I, I, it, you almost have to take it like that. Because one of the things that I don't understand, <laughs> and this is, um, this is an interesting question, and this either is a plot hole or... I start to wonder if some of these plot holes are because the TVA is just BS, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Loki was not supposed to escape with the Tesseract, mm-hmm. right? But Loki escaping with the Tesseract resulted in Tony and Steve going back to the seventies, the seventies, which they were supposed to do. Otherwise they would have been stopped by the TVA. Right. You know what I mean? Like they almost like it almost if the Avengers were supposed to go back to the 70s to get the the stone from the base from the Tesseract. Then technically Loki is supposed to get away with the Tesseract in that other timeline. In the 2012 New York. You have a you do have a point there. Right, like it, it almost it is creates, a contradiction. I think it create, it's probably a plot hole. But it's a paradox. Yeah, it, they've created a paradox, a Loki paradox. Unless, unless they knew that that branch would be clipped by Steve Rogers later, so it's okay. You know what I mean? Well, I guess, I guess that question won't be answered until the end of the show because the question then becomes: Does this Loki, the Phase One Loki, go back to where he was supposed to? and get carted off right. or or <laughs> i don't know this is uh, well oh here's, my God. here's I, the thing though here's what's interesting about it is technically it almost seems like that trip to 1970 had to happen for tony stark because i think that moment of him meeting his dad was very integral to his decision to be able to sacrifice everything right right so that had to happen but Maybe it was supposed to happen in a different way than Loki getting away with the Tesseract. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe. Right. That's possible. There almost have to be separate timelines because if, if they want to clip all timelines, then what the Avengers did to take the original stone shouldn't have been allowed no matter what. Because they were gonna, they were gonna take that stone, unless they they, because Cap is returning the stones, that's okay, you know, like they know it's gonna be clipped by Cap, taking the stones back. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I saw it. That they they the TVA would have known that Steve was going to take them back and put them back in place, thus creating the rest of the events throughout the MCU. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. That Tesseract timeline really screws things up now. Unless, here, here's another thing. I keep saying, we keep saying unless. But they could have known that Loki was going to take the Tesseract, but also knew that was the only 
impetus for Tony going back in time to have that chat with his dad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was allowed for Loki to take it, and then they were ready immediately to grab him once he took it. Because if uh, time is happening differently in the TVA at all times, mm-hmm. they could have stopped Loki from even grabbing the Tesseract or grabbed him before he even teleported. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, been like, okay, very so they, there, we they, grab him now. So they waited, allowed Tony to get that because they knew Tony was coming from another timeline to that timeline. Mm-hmm. Waited for him to th- understand that it's gone, go back in time, and then grab Loki. <laughs> That has to be. I mean, that has to be. They probably won't explain that. I would imagine they kind of did and just said everything that, that happened was supposed to. They waved it away, right? But whenever yeah. you start to think about it, you're right. It there is kind of a paradoxical element to it. Of mm-hmm. if Loki never grabbed it, then the events of Endgame wouldn't happen. And if all things yeah. that have been predetermined have, have are are happening, then they knew that that this it was going to play out that way so why yeah you have a point unless yeah, I, unless this just happens every time unless there are just multiple variants of loki out there that's like like every the time moment like every time that he grabs that tesseract they have to go and arrest him again and again and again <laughs> and it, they've created their own time loop mm-hmm. the tva has created its own time loop yeah yep so I, I don't understand completely what the TVA is up to. I think it's meant to be a little bit vague and a little bit corporate sounding because I think it's BS. And I, I don't think all of the agents, like I don't think Mobius is in on it. I think if there's an alternate purpose for the TVA, the brainwashing video of the cartoon is also meant for the agents as well. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. I think only a handful of people know what's really going on with the TVA because right. it... Um, I mean, there are a handful of higher ups that have those those sashes over them, like mm-hmm. the some of the management. What's funny is the the one scene with we'll get to Casey in a second here, but the one scene with Casey, I mentioned <laughs> 1984 before, but there's a poster in the background that says they are watching, and it shows mm-hmm. the timekeeper's biggest day. So the fact they have to be pulling from 1984 in, yeah. in some cases here, and the fact that these, I mean, I'm just gonna call them managers keep these managers keep referring to the timekeepers as the all knowing timekeepers who are watching over everything that that's big brother is watching. Right. To, uh, to an extent, like mm-hmm. it, <laughs> this whole organization I mean, has, been, has been brainwashed and in, into believing that the timekeepers exist and we're supposed to follow along with that, but we're also in Loki's place where we're allowed to question mm-hmm. how true this is. Exactly. And I think one of the things that is going to provide clarity is when we meet this variant Loki. And we'll get into our theories about that in a bit. But I think the variant Loki knows what's going on. I think so, too. Like, I think we're going to get that perspective. And and I think it's going to kind of change things. Um, And, you know, from what I've heard of this series, it doesn't let questions linger super off, uh, super long. So we may get some answers in the next episode. Um, for some of the things we're we're discussing um but yeah i think i mean i think that about just hits our our big theories for the the first central question of what's what's going on with the tva i think the one other thing i did want to bring up is do do you think that the tva exists in the quantum realm like in that city we saw in the back of ant-man and the wasp i i I do and one of the reasons i do is because time you know isn't really a factor in the tva isn't really a factor in the quantum realm but specifically they (laughs) 
they set a line that was time works differently here at the TVA. And that is very close to a line. Um, it was either from Ant-Man and the Wasp or Endgame, um, where they said time works differently in the quantum realm. It, it, it was, was almost like both. a very intentional parallel. Well, I, so I don't think they're in the quantum realm. And that's only because time, there is an explanation for time, how time works in the quantum realm at one point where it's just, it's at a much slower pace. That's true. Instead of, or what's five minutes in the quantum realm is five years in, in real time. The TVA, they go back and forth in time like crazy. Like well, there is no can... sense of, there is no sense of time there. Well, we don't know if there's a sense of time for the people there that work there, but you can still go back and forth in time in the quantum I, realm. Like they're not even did. they're not even people; they're just drones. Well, whatever they are, like legitimately. I don't think no, I don't mean literal oh. literal <laughs> robots, but like I was gonna say we we haven't but, seen any of them walk through the incinerator yet, so I guess we don't know. <laughs> that's that's interesting though. I didn't think about that until you said it because we've never seen any of them go through that. My theory about the, the workers is I think they're all variants because otherwise, what is the point of judging them if you're ultimately going to erase them no matter what? Like, you have to be able to use them in some way. Maybe I'm I just reading know. too... Maybe I'm just reading too far into the incinerator uh, <laughs> scene, but that seems a little odd and specific at the same time. That It does, doesn't it? That you're saying that... I'm saying that they're robots and that's that's bizarre i didn't think about that i don't know um but by drones i mean they just they literally all they know is how time works mm-hmm. that is all they do i mean case we might as well get to casey at this point um who is just he's shown as a receptionist when loki walks is brought into the tva yeah. but apparently has is like a is kind of like not an intern, but kind of like the <laughs> office much is- like the office administrator running stuff to people left and right yeah um and when Loki says, I'm going to gut you with like a fish, he says, what's a fish? Yeah. He he literally knows nothing outside of work. And that's what right. I mean by drone that he's his sole purpose is to, and it, I guess his glorious purpose is literally to do his job every day in and out, no matter what. Why would they need to incinerate them though? That's what I don't understand. Incinerate who? If if they're robots, are you still not saying they're? I'm, I'm not saying they're robots. Oh. I, <laughs> I'm not saying they're robots. Okay, there's some sort of creature or entity or uh, or a thing. Not maybe not a robot. Maybe not a a vision. Maybe not a um a spirit. But they're an entity of some sort that is literally here just to just to power through whatever work needs done. Mm-hmm. Timekeepers have created this. I'm and I'm still on the side of the timekeepers don't exist. But it, by this narrative of the Miss Minutes video, the timekeepers created this bureau to only keep track of time. It's not like they have families to go home to. It's not like they have things to do on the weekends. It is literally this is all they do day in and day out. If days even exist, they are here to keep the timelines in order. And they know nothing else. Interesting. Is what, I, is what I'm getting I like at. that. I kind of like that theory. 
I think that that could drive a lot of the discussion about, you know, fate versus predetermination too, or well, not fate, free will versus predetermination. That's what I'm getting at. That, that could really, you know, if Mobius eventually discovers that he's nothing, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. after he's the guy that's kind of questioning the system and we'll get to his, his scenes and his kind of introduction here, but, um, I I think that is a good good place to wrap the the central question around the TVA, and I think that's a really good theory that you're on to right there. So, um, yeah, after this Miss Minutes infomercial, we cut to Mobius, Which, and we get if, an if, introduction to him. And if I might say something, one more thing about that Miss Minutes video, yeah, it did feel like this eerie. I mean, you've been to Disney World and Universal. It did feel like this eerie, uh, like one of those videos they play before each ride oh yeah <laughs> yeah just uh, what was it like hold on to your ticket and then someone will be right with you it like it yeah. just felt like this eerie version of that but and it's not, that was a side note i mean we we also think that that time that multiversal war is like a reference to something that is upcoming in the mcu and not something in the past right like I, based on time working differently like i i kind of feel like that's like a secret wars reference and it just really felt like that to me i'll let you go with that i i don't know much about secret wars so yeah. i mean it basically was like a multiverse want. war okay oh <laughs> like all the timeline collided and fought it basically was exactly what they described oh okay <laughs> like they, they, yeah yeah <laughs> it happened differently multiple times one time there was like a battle world that was created it was like bits and pieces of different timelines all mashed together and yeah mm-hmm. Um. Yep. So. So yeah. Anyways, that's that's the Miss Minutes infomercial. Um. After like some kind of funny scenes with the line and Loki's the ticketing system and stuff, we get mm-hmm. our introduction to Mobius, who is hunting a a variant, and it looks like they killed some Minutemen, some of the TVA workers, as well as stole the device. And they mentioned that again. Uh, that device again that supposedly resets the timeline or obliterates it or something. And then um, Mobius talks to one of the witnesses is just this kid that's kind of standing by and points to the, the devil stained glass window as the, the perpetrator and the person that killed these Minutemen and stole the device. Um, You know, (laughs) initially it's like, Oh no, Mephisto. But then you, (laughs) You start to understand it's just a, a uh, metaphor or a, supposed to be a visual representation of Loki because of the horns. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to that when they reveal that it actually is Loki that's killing the, the TVA agents. But I, I like the introduction to Mobius here. And he really seems like this is a cool character for Owen Wilson to play outside of mm. other stuff that he's played in the past. Wow. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he's not... um. I kind of expected him to be kind of like the the bumbling cop, right? And he just seems like he's so good cool and confident of the department, right? Yeah, like yeah, he's super competent, <laughs> and like even goes toe to toe with Loki intellectually, and it, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, I, I like this introduction to him. I love the the chemistry that him and uh, that him and Hiddleston have in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, and we get to see them together for the first time in the very next next scene, uh, the courtroom. <laughs> so when Loki's on trial, 
Um, this is where we get the admission that the Avengers traveling back in time was supposed to happen, which was, um, you know, where the hand wavy stuff came in. Um, and we see Mobius kind of go to bat for Loki and, and want to, to use him and thinks there's a use for him. Um, and then basically takes him away and they start to walk back to the office. And there's that really funny line about Loki saying he's going to burn everything down to the ground. And, and Mobius just asked him to start with his office first. (laughs) (laughs) That was a pretty, pretty great response to that. They also mention here the nightmare department. Oh, I don't God. know if that's a reference to actual, oh, here actual we go nightmare again. if we're doing all this again. but uh, <laughs> I'd rather not go into that yeah. <laughs> into that rabbit hole anymore. The, the one thing that makes me question it is like the theories that Nightmare is in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, like the rumors about that, and the fact that Michael Waldron wrote this episode and is like the showrunner basically for this show. Um, and he wrote Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as well. Um, that I I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. We I I, I had to get off of social media because of <laughs> of it on during Wandavision. So th- yeah. that really just put a sour taste in my mouth. It actually mm-hmm. ruined my experience with Wandavision, and it I had to spend some time away from it before <laughs> I could fully like digest what I had just seen. Yeah. So the uh the therapy session is what we start to get right after this and this is where the chemistry starts to really come out between Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. I I didn't care as much for this as you did. I know we kind of I talked about it. this a little bit. Um do you want to just kind of go into your thoughts? Yeah, this, I the, I love kind this. of the quote unquote therapy scene. I love this whole scene and I, I get your, your problems with it, but this is where, at least to me, where I noticed what the central theme of the show could be of mm-hmm. predetermined um, events versus individuals free will. And I realized, and you please, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Loki's character development in the MCU has been pretty hodgepodge together. <laughs> like, I I put I on my uh, Pepe Silvia board. I put all five properties he was in, a, a like a recurring character in or a regular character in, and tried to understand what his character arc was because in the first Thor, he tries to take over Asgard because he believes that he is the the, the true king of Asgard. Mm-hmm. And has to come to accept the fact that he is not the true son of Odin, but he is a son of an ice giant. Yep. Correct. Mm-hmm. In the Avengers... Frost, Frost giant, I'm sorry. That's okay. In the Avengers, he just outright tries to take over Earth. In the Dark World, he kills his mother <laughs> inadvertently. Yep. But he doesn't have much development any development that he has is kind of reversed in that ending shot where he's sitting on the throne correct am i I missing something there yeah i mean he's still uh, it was kind of like the last push to keep him evil because when we get to ragnarok well (laughs) they just undo all of that (laughs) yeah i mean that was i i think it was meant to set loki up for a bigger villainous turn and that was like meant to be like 
him with his mom was like his last tie to humanity. But then, you know, Ragnarok Taika was just like, nah, <laughs> but then, but then just fair. His, his character development bounces off of Thor's development in every, yes. in every step of the way. Yes. Um, every time Thor grows, he grows because he realizes what Loki is. And, the, mm-hmm. and in Ragnarok, there's that scene in the elevator that he realized Thor realizes that we're brothers, but we will never be on the same path. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So in Loki, he, he doesn't sacrifice himself in Infinity War. He just outright fails. He tries to kill Thanos and fails. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have any like true art throughout the the 20 to 23 films that the MCU has. They're just kind of mis- mis- mishmashed together. And he has a few story beats here and there. We get a little bit of growth and then it's reversed in the next entry. So what I love about this therapy scene is that we actually get growth for this version of Loki, where we start out with him being a hard ass saying, mm-hmm. you don't understand me. And I'm jumping ahead here because I'm counting the therapy scene as anything in that room. Okay. We eventually see him come to the realization. He kills his mother in the normal timeline and he watches his father die in front of him and he fails at killing Thanos. Mm -hmm. He realizes that his purpose, his true purpose, his glorious purpose as the title suggests is to be a side character. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not to say it's a meta commentary after everything I just explained, but Loki's been a fan favorite since the original Thor. And at this point, I think that's mainly because of Tom Hiddleston's performance of him. But at this point, we finally get to see him come to the realization that I am not meant to be a ruler. I'm not actually the god of mischief. I'm actually just somebody who likes to inflict pain. Yeah. And I think like to preface my, my thoughts, I, my problems with this were mostly the way that that character development happened. I just mm-hmm. didn't like that. It was like, uh, I didn't like that Mobius just at, kind of asked him <laughs> like, why do you hurt people? It just felt too, too therapy. Like for me, mm-hmm. um, whereas I, I kind of would like to be shown that or have a little bit more time before he comes to that realization. Um, and I I did like the line from Mobius where he he basically said that your purpose is to make others the best versions of themselves, mm-hmm. which yeah I mean it's I just mean, like he 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 is a a side character meant to prop up the main characters right like and I mean I I just said that the villain that, to be stepped on right I mean I just said that with Thor grows every time he has an interaction with Loki in one way or another. So it's set maybe the dark world. I'm, uh, there's really not yeah. much character growth there. <laughs> um, but uh, I think if I can counter, if I can counterpoint you for a second, I think it needed to be in this first episode and just kind of gotten out of the way because now he is the central figure of a story. Mm-hmm. They they actually need him for something yeah. that no in an, in a regular timeline you were not the central character. You were never meant to be. Mm-hmm. But your purpose now is for you to help us catch this other variant. So my, my problems are mostly with the first part of this 
this quote unquote therapy scene and okay. where Mobius is walking him through the different parts of his life and, you know, poking and prodding at him. Mm-hmm. And I really loved when Loki was by himself and reacting to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, you know, we're, we're jumping ahead a bit again, but we'll just talk about this as a whole. Um, when he's watching the projector by himself after he returns from his failed escape and he kind of fast forwards and gets through, you know, Odin's death, his own death and and his performance there is just heartbreaking and the way that they crank up the sound of like his neck snapping when mm-hmm. Thanos kills him. It was so like loud and even more brutal than watching it and just to watch his reaction to it. Um, I thought that part was really powerful. What, I got kind of caught up on was just the the first nature of it and the first part of this conversation and I felt like they relied a lot on the chemistry between Mobius and Loki and that in that sequence um and it just fell a little a little flat to me but I also don't uh, well we'll talk we'll talk about it in a little bit I have I have another theory kind of for this therapy session actually to your point though of of the chemistry between them this is the first time and i'm trying trying to reconcile both of our thoughts here mm-hmm. this actually leads into our your or our third central question of is loki loki truly humbled by the power of the tva or does he now want the power that they possess because Moby's knocks down a few pages and essentially says, you're not as powerful as you think here because he's wearing that the time twister on his neck. And every time he tries to escape or tries to move, they press the button and throws him back to, to where he was. So, and at a point he Mobius eventually just tells him that your power. And even in the courtroom scene, your powers don't work here. Everything that, everything that you knew, you know, Mm-hmm. and you thought you knew it doesn't really apply here yep there are stronger forces at work here that are stopping you from doing anything and we're going to make sure of that so to to the question of is he humbled by that power i i don't i i don't want to give an answer on that yet because i don't i truly don't know it's tough at this point so let, let's talk through his escape for okay. a second. And then I, I think I have some points to say as we go through that. Okay. I mean, the big point of his escape is basically he, he jumps away and he meets up with Casey again and it basically threatens Casey to get the Tesseract back. Um, neat little Doctor Who reference here, by the way. He called Loki a, a criminal with the blue box, which I don't, don't think is a, a mistake <laughs> here. <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence based on like the time-traveling aspects of the show and the comparisons to Doctor Who already. Um, but the big thing here is Casey opening the drawer and there just being a, a handful of Infinity Stones. And I, I think there was at least one of every kind. I think there was. There. And um, they just outright say, yeah, we did... We did a ton of those people bring yeah. them in all the time they're and, just in an unsecured desk drawer <laughs> and i mean I, I just have to ask i i even you can disagree with me all you want on this i'm not or you can think this is a dumb question but does this mean given that we know the infinity stones in here don't work 
And everything that has happened to this point has been predetermined, at least by what we know, has been predetermined and was supposed to happen. Does this mean that like the everything in Infinity War and Endgame has just been nerfed? Like it really had there were no states when it came to that at this point. Depends on how much you believe the TVA. You know, you, you know what I mean, though, that like yeah. it just that's why I kind of think that the TVA is like BS, though, too, because it does it does nerf the stakes. It, it definitely <laughs> felt like um, like have you ever watched Cosmos, either the Neil deGrasse Tyson or the Carl Sagan version one or, of it? one or two episodes of the Tyson version where they just are like, you know, in the entire existence of the universe, we are like a speck, a not second, even a speck. We're 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 like a second of the last minute of the last hour of yeah, the last day of the last month of, of like the calendar. Right. Right. Like, so it's like, just to show you like perspective, all of human history is that. So it, <laughs> it, it, it like felt like that type of moment, like, like a come to God moment, like, Oh, Whoa, this is <laughs> like, like, what is happening here? Like this really, none of that really mattered at this point. There are larger forces at work here. <laughs> yes. Now in, in the comics, I will say that, when an infinity stone is out of its own universe it no longer functions if it's out of the universe in which it was created it no longer functions but we kind of saw the rules to that get broken in endgame where they went and pulled these stones out of different timelines and and used them so yeah i don't think that's the case and i think those are just like kind of fully fledged stones there i don't know how else to put it this is like pretty baseless theorizing here but and maybe this just comes from me not trusting what the tva is is putting out there like what if they just planted those there as a way to manipulate loki because after that he has his come to god moment right he's like is this the greatest power in the universe and the music swells like beautifully (laughs) and i i the score in this is amazing. It's Natalie Holt. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't familiar with any of her work before. Um, one goofy fact in here is that she once threw eggs at Simon Cowell during Britain's <laughs> Got Talent to protest his influence on the industry. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I-, I thought the music at this moment when he's standing up after he sees those stones and he kind of just looks around the room and you know utters, is this the greatest power in the universe? You can read that one of two ways. Either he is now humbled and afraid and just wants to kind of comply with them or he wants that power. Like, cause this is that evil Loki though. He, he kind of started to have his moments watching his redemptive arc, basically <laughs> uh, play out before his eyes in his past or well, our, the, our past of the MCU, but his future watching that play out. Does he, ultimately want the power of the tva or is he humbled by it and afraid of it now that he's seen those stones in the drawer i think either way they don't really care but now they've gotten him to want to work with them they got him where they want him even if he's not a true believer of it so was it planted and are is it going to turn out that infinity stones actually are powerful and they just kind of put this little show on for him because they knew he wouldn't be able to get away I don't know. <laughs> I think that would be a neat way of putting a, putting another twist on this. I, I don't think that's the case. I think they actually are that powerful, and those actually are just Infinity Stones. I mean, I um, think so, too. 
I, I think that's the case too, where they are just real infinity stones that don't work in this specific place. That's, that's that is a good question though. I I would like to hear everyone else's thoughts on yeah. that. Um, but I think I think I agree with you that he is. Um, I think I agree with you that it doesn't in the end to the TVA at least it doesn't matter. Yep, they got him where they want him. But th- that was just an insane moment. It's it's like a, when when it's first shown, it's like a universe bending thing that happens because for a decade we've been built up to expect that these are like the most important things in the universe, and now all of a sudden it doesn't matter. I, I just, just love the idea that like some of those had to have come from like variant Thanos, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> And, and like, like you, you like never talking Thanos about this. being led through the TVA. And <laughs> he's what... like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I just want to see a an alternate cut of Endgame where he where fails. Thanos like wins and he snaps his fingers and then they, <laughs> the TVA just arrests him. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like reset immediately. <laughs> like he snaps his fingers. He actually had the stones. Tony didn't take them away. Everyone's like screaming as the universe starts to reset. But then the TVA just shows up and just puts a collar on Thanos and nope, takes him away. And like take him away. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the idea of that is just hilarious. Like fully powered Thanos just getting like paraded through the TVA and, <laughs> and the gauntlet is still active at that yeah, point. <laughs> exactly. You just you just see all the stones just not well, I shouldn't say active, but like they're they're in the gauntlet, but they're not glowing anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's there's something really good about that. Or <laughs> like Thor actually goes for the head, and then the TVA arrests him. And it's just like, the, well, that's what I, that's what I mean. That like the tiniest little things that yeah that, that either do or don't happen, and it just completely changes the universe, like or the timeline is it. it that's why we're I, running a risk of of they did a lot in this episode to say that. You know, a lot of the stuff that we've seen, you know, was supposed to happen. It was going to happen no matter what. We were going to make sure of it. And even the stuff there you guys were messing with wasn't even that powerful compared to us. That They're doing a lot to minimize that. And I don't like that very much <laughs> if it continues. They're trying you know? to have their like, cake and eat it too. Like, yeah, we don't want to undo everything we just did for the past 15 years. But at the same time, we want to continue think- on. <laughs> They're too they're too smart to do that in like a, a side Disney Plus series, right? As far as we know. Well, that doesn't seem like a side one because of all the multiverse stuff that well, they're Well, Feige has said that this is apparently the most one of the most important entries to come out for this yeah. phase. And who knows, maybe we're just speculating on stuff we don't even understand yet. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, speaking of speculating on stuff we don't understand yet, the the after Loki's escape there, he returns back, as we mentioned, and watches his uh, all the way up to his death, like all the different moments in Ragnarok. You know, he gets emotional over his moment in the elevator with Thor when they kind of uh, Thor kind of agrees to go separate ways. Um, and right after this, Mobius comes back and it's almost like he just knew he would end up back there because he had nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. So I almost wonder if he gave him the like, let him steal the uh the time twister and and let him kind of get away with it um knowing that he couldn't go anywhere anyways and he would just end up back in that room um out of his own curiosity 
but yeah, he kind of has his moment where he admits that he hurts people just because he has pretty much had to his whole life. Um, so right after that is where Mobius admits that the variant that they're hunting and the reason they need Loki's help is because it's another variant Loki. <clears throat> now, this leads to our next central question is what is up with this other Loki variant? I like I like your theory that it is some it, it it's a variant who is aware of what the TVA actually is or or is capable of doing, uh, whether it's a con or scam or it's just an illusion of some sort to mm-hmm. keep made it look like things are staying this staying on path. Um, as for who it is, oh my part so of my my. my main theory here i think the loki we're going to see as the kind of main villain loki the quote-unquote villain i think this is going to be like a king ruler loki like an older loki that has everything that the loki that we know in this series has wanted in the past you know like this is a Uh fully loki as he's laid out his motivations for us this would be our fully fulfilled Loki who is like king of his timeline, king of something, wants to preserve his own timeline or something like that. Um, doesn't want the TVA to erase it. Because I, I think that makes a very, very interesting contrast. That does. And provides a lot of avenues for character development for our Loki. I like that. To look at this is me fulfilled. Like this is, you know, for lack if of a better I become, term, destiny fulfilled. If I truly become king, this is what happens. Yes. This is the path I go down. And if yes. I don't, I die, but at the at my brother's side. Yeah. So it, I, it, I think that that gives a lot of interesting, interesting work here. Like that we could, we could see, um, you know, there, there could be some really, really killer scenes there. Uh, And uh, I think there is a, you know, there have been rumors of like Lady Loki or potentially the Enchantress. Which is possible. Um, And I I think that is going to happen because we still don't know who Sofia de Martino's character is yet. Um, And she actually was one of the main cast they've been kind of doing press tours with alongside Loki and, and, Owen Wilson or Tom Hillston and Owen Wilson. <clears throat> it's so, almost as if though that Richard E. Grant is going to be King Loki then. That's what I think is yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. I know I know you had your theory in the preview that he would play like different voices of the quote, space lizards lizards and timekeepers. But I think I think you have a good point there that this would be a good character building moment for this Loki, who I I'm going to theorize is eventually going to get put back in the timeline correctly. And so the Loki that we know has like, has that development and just continues on the path that was laid out. Um, I don't know if that's possible though. Is it? I think, didn't he ask that? He said, I'm I'm not going back to my timeline. Am I? Did he? he said, no. Or he said, I can't go back to my timeline. There was a line in there. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I now I don't know if, Mobius just says no you can't because we're not allowing you to or no you physically cannot yeah um, but I don't I don't understand I don't think how I don't think that would work because he technically that version of Loki is already in that timeline they'd have to like almost 
merge him in since he's his own separate like variant being like Mm -hmm. i don't know um we really have not based on the multiverse of madness being one of the first movies we get next year it almost seems like the tva can't exist for that (laughs) right so like it to me it's like i don't think they make it out of the series Maybe Mobius does, Maybe. like if he goes rogue, but I, I don't think the TVA as a whole is gonna make it. Maybe not. Or I, I think our Loki, I think our Loki is going to sympathize and see why the other Loki is attacking the TVA, and maybe you know it's kind of a, kind of a, a Sam and Carly type argument where it's like he agrees that they need to, but he doesn't want to go as far as as that mm-hmm. Loki is trying to go, because that Loki. And we see in the very next scene where he or she is attacking other Loki or other um, timekeepers and stealing another device. So now that Loki has at least two devices that we know of. We know it attacked more timekeepers. And that means so, those timelines weren't reset. Correct. Well, I think they just brought another device and reset it well, in, when they, in, when in they the, go back to kill. In the France one they did. In the one in Oklahoma, that's the one that this other Loki stole. Right. So, I mean, you kind of think they'll show up to that crime scene later and see all the dead ones and reset it. But I'm starting to wonder why that Loki is collecting those. And I think we'll get more insight into that. But it, it probably is to destroy the TVA and take them back there and reset the TVA them off in TVA. So I don't whatever <laughs> those devices do. Maybe it'll as we as we find that out, like what exactly a reset, quote unquote, reset means. I think it might become a little bit clearer what that Loki's trying to do. And there's just, there's so much in the show that I know we're going to, I, <laughs> I've been, I've been thinking about this to myself that we started off on Falcon and the winter soldier. And there was a lot to talk about there. And that was a, just a, a deep show to get into when it came to discussing mm-hmm. race in America. Um, and representation but this is like just pure speculation yeah <laughs> this is this is fun this this will be a fun episode for us to listen to in about six weeks <laughs> pretty much for all we know this is all wrong so kang kang is definitely gonna end up being the new mephisto that's for sure i i think so too <laughs> even if he's just name dropped i think yeah. he's i think people are going to start speculating on him this is why i stay off uh fan theory sites and boards and reddit because i can't i I know you can't it's i have to i'm not as strong (laughs) (laughs) because i i want to be i don't want to go in with high expectations for what to expect i want to go in with high expectations that i'm going to enjoy this show for what it is and what's unfortunate is Falcon was kind of easy to predict in some in some cases what was going to happen. It was pretty much by the numbers and in some regards, like the whole power broker thing. We yeah. call you called like immediately, and it was fairly obvious what was going on. Yes. Um, but this, I think, they hid enough to where and kind of convoluted our own understanding of the MCU to where it's difficult to speculate fully on right and i think with this episode this was exactly what i wanted from the pilot of this show Mm -hmm. i wanted i wanted them to kind of redefine the rules of time for us 
I wanted this world building. I wanted this exposition and we got it. And I'm very happy about that. Like, I, I don't care much about the action in this series, to be honest Mm-mm. with you. Like I, this is what I love. And this is what I, I want out of this series. Like they're diving into some concepts and some themes and, you know, just, just this high concept sci-fi that they're, that they're going for. I mean, it's no surprise that, that Michael Waldron, the, the showrunner is like More. heavy and Rick and Morty, right? Mm-hmm. Like he wrote a lot of stuff for them. Um, so, I mean, watching this, there's no surprise. And some of the discussions we've had are like straight out of episodes of Rick and Morty and straight out of, you know, almost Twilight Zone type things in mm-hmm. 1984. Like you said, like they're just pulling from all of this, all of these great, great sci-fi concepts. And it's just fantastic. Very much, very much looking forward to to the next episode in a way that I was not with Falcon and the winter soldier. And here we, we thought when the show was announced, it was just going to be a fun doctor who romp through the MCU, but (laughs) there's a lot of meat in this one. Definitely. And and not to say I wasn't excited for Falcon and the winter soldier, but this is just a different excitement to. (laughs) Yeah. Same here. Like there's just so much more unknown week to week. You could kind of predict how the Falcon, the winter soldier was going to go, as you mentioned, I mean, it's kind of a more straightforward action type thing, but Mm -hmm. you know, the, the racism themes and and everything like that was very um, unexpected and and heavy, but this is just a fun (laughs) speculative series. And I I think the speculation is going to pay off here more than it did in WandaVision. It made sense why it didn't in WandaVision. And I liked it for that. Um, But this, I I think they're really, (laughs) they're really putting a lot out there for people to speculate on. And they're, they, they are running a danger of people being upset if there's not enough payoff. That's why you, know? you stay off message boards. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying I, I'm, I'm pretty good at like reading those and not being upset when they don't pan out. Like, I don't, I don't really have an idea of how the series needs to go for me to like it. So um, I know there are a ton of people that are like that though. So oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's very, very interesting. Well, with that being said, I think that is some a solid place for us to to wrap up. I'd um, say so any, as well. Any closing thoughts on Loki from you? Uh, just it's an overall great show. Um, I'm I'm happy with where it started. I'm hoping to be happy with where it's going, where it ends. Um, very strong start, and if done it's going to be done right i don't think that's going to be an issue but if the story and character development is done correctly then and themes of free will and predestination are explored thoroughly enough or at least examined in a way that it breeds discussion warrants discussion i think this could be one of the best entries the mcu has had yeah i think it absolutely has that potential no doubt. I, <clears throat> what I started to do with these series is actually place them in my in my rankings, um, episode by episode, and then we'll adjust it episode by episode. So right now I've placed it where I think it goes if it pans out to its potential, basically. You know? Okay. Like my my where I'm expecting it, if it pays off the expectations that I have for it based on this first episode. And then I'm, I'm kind of going to adjust it as I go throughout the series, just to kind of get my own little like natural sense of, of how it feels. See, for me, I have to look at it as a whole before I can place it somewhere in, in the ranking 
for at least for me. Mm-hmm. Like, does everything cohesively come together, or does it all fall apart in the end? Yep. So, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it it started off strong at a, it peaked like halfway through, and then just kind of fell off toward the end. At least mm-hmm. for me, so yeah. that I couldn't really form a full opinion until it was done. All right. Well, I think that is a good place to wrap it. Um, please join us next week for our discussion of the second episode of Loki. Thanks for joining us today for the premiere. We are definitely excited to keep discussing this with everyone. And please let us know your theories, your thoughts. Um, you can reach out to us through all of our socials. They are in the show notes um, uh, as well as our email. So so definitely reach out. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you think the podcast is going. If you have any thoughts, feedback, we'd love to hear it. All right. With that, for Jared, I am John. Thank you for joining us on Infinity Watcher. Original music titled Blazing Stars composed by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. <laughs>